This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You're live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with my good friend, John Beeler. Got a great program today. If you uh, have tubs full of Lego, don't have any of the instruction manuals left, we have an app that will let you scan your Lego pile and actually give you different projects you can make with the bricks you have. It's all kinds of awesome. We'll also be talking with Ted Kritsonos uh, out of Toronto about all the new Samsung gear that they've announced this week. Everything from their folding phones and tablets uh, to their new watches uh, as well. Some really amazing technology uh, that has actually become affordable now. Remember when these folding screen phones came out? Yeah. Like well, it's, $3,000. It, it's, it's getting closer. We're not quite there yet, but I think we're in the realm. Yeah, I think uh, once you listen to the segment, uh, you might consider buying a folding screen phone now because it might be in your price range. Uh, John, let's talk about some of the uh, the mobile news. Norton Antivirus and Avast, yes. big uh, security, software security companies. Do you, do you use antivirus anymore? You're a Mac guy. No. No? No. But remember when it used to be so big, like yeah. you'd have Norton Antivirus. Yeah or McAfee or Avast on your system. A lot of people still do. Yeah, I, I used AVG, I think, when I last time I cared about it. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt, right? I mean, the more secure your computer is, the better. Uh, probably more on the Windows side, I think. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Norton, uh, the antivirus people, and Avast, which was another big uh, security company, they are merging into an $8 billion antivirus empire. Isn't that crazy how much money they're worth just fighting viruses? Well, and even Norton, they acquired the LifeLock people a while ago. So, like, it's all about protecting your um, your, your online identity and everything like that. So, you know, protecting your computer, protecting your online identity, like all that stuff. It makes sense that they would just keep swallowing up other companies. You know, A, it's the competition, but also adding new feature sets to what they're offering. With the merger, uh, they're going to be servicing over 500 million users. That's like half a billion users worldwide, Yeah, which I just find uh, amazing uh, how, how big they uh, are. Um, yeah, so Avast, uh, they were uh, founded uh, in the Czech Republic uh, back, I think, 11 years ago and acquired uh, AVG five years ago. Yeah, it's yeah. all consolidating, right? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. And <laughs> Norton LifeLock is the former consumer side of Symantec. Remember them? Yes, way, way back. Yeah. Well, I, you, know, I, you know, I used to sell computers and stuff at Doppler Computers back in the day here in Western Canada. We sold so much, you know, Norton and uh, semantic yeah. software, antivirus and security software, uh, but obviously still a, a very large uh, business. Uh, we mentioned uh, Apple's new child protection features, I think, on our, our last program, and a lot of people are still asking questions about it. How does this all work? It's interesting. I, I did not know this, John, but some of the big companies like Apple and Google are already scanning people's Apple and Gmail. So every time you send an email or receive one, they're scanning it for child pornography Yeah, images. They've got a database that they work with. I think it's a few hundred thousand images known out there. I, I wonder how many false, false positives they get, though. Uh, it's kind of scary. Yeah. Right? Because there's, there's some people that they like to take photos that are literally just their fingers in front of the camera lens. Yes. That if you look at it the right way, it could be considered an offensive pose with your fingers. Yeah. I think they're specifically comparing it to this database that they have of images. Right. So 
is that is it a, like a like for like comparison or is it actually using some artificial intelligence to say hey this might be a kid or whatever yeah. you know um like that's the part that i don't quite understand cuz honestly 200,000 image database seems like not much like i think i have that many photos on my flickr account yeah so the newest incarnation of protection here that apple is going to be rolling out is they will actually be scanning all of your photos on your phone uh, before they go up to iCloud for backup. What? Isn't that crazy? It is. I'm also wondering what kind of performance hit is that going <laughs> to I have cost. no idea. Anyway, they're saying it's heavily encrypted. They're not looking at what's in your photo. They're just trying to make a direct comparison against these known photos that have child abuse or sexual abuse on them. So what are they doing with this information? Well, I guess if they get some matches, they send that to the authorities. Hmm. But I'm, I'm conflicted. I I think this is a good thing. Yeah, no, no question. But at the same time, I'm just worried about this technology. Like they're actually scanning my stuff on my phone. Well, that's, that's the slippery slope, right? Right. And, And we've talked about this before. And the fact that who's seeing this and presumably someone has to, you know, validate that it's actually working properly. So is some guy at Apple or Google looking at my photos to say, yeah, that is a, that's a good match. Or, you know, it kind of breaks that privacy wall. Another feature they have coming out is uh, for kids. And this is um, uh, a family protection op- option uh, for families that have children that have iPhones. Uh, and specifically for uh, Apple Messenger or iMessage. Yeah, And essentially, uh, it's kind of a filter. So if the kids are trying to send or receive any explicit images, like nude photos or anything like that, it will actually pop up a warning uh, basically saying, this could be sensitive to view, are you sure? And giving the, the kids a choice. And if they, <laughs> if they pick the wrong answer, uh, basically another thing will pop up. It's your choice, but your parents want to want to know you're safe. So they're going to send the parents a message <laughs> that their kid is viewing pornography. What's the definition of kid? I would imagine that would be different. In different I think anyone under 18. Okay. You know how you can turn on the, that feature? Yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah. If that's the way you want to protect your, your kids. Yeah, I don't have kids and you do. And, yeah. and I imagine that it's a concern. You don't want your kids sending nude selfies back and forth and stuff. Well, something that we'll uh, be keeping our eyes on. When we come back from the break, we will be chatting with Ted Kritsonos all about the new folding phones from Samsung. Is it time for your folding screen phone? Is the price right? Well, we'll tell you all about it back after this. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. Big announcements and releases from Samsung this week. They're all in with the folding phones. Uh, they announced the uh, new Galaxy Z Flip 5G and also the Galaxy Z Fold 3 5G as well. Am I getting all those names right? I, I think so. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of numbers in them. Yeah. Uh, and also uh, some watches and some new uh, earbuds. On the line from Toronto, we've got our good friend Ted Kritsonos uh, to help walk us through some of these uh, new models. Thanks for joining us, Ted. Good to be with you guys. Thank you. Any big surprise here? Uh, basically just the folding phones, none, no new notes or... Um, Galaxy S22s or anything like that? 
Well, considering all the leaks, there aren't really any surprises at all. <laughs> the leaks pretty much determined, uh, maybe the specs weren't known, but we knew pretty much what devices were coming, and we knew what devices were not coming. And by that was what you alluded to, which was the Galaxy Note. I, I had said from before that Samsung was going to skip this year when it comes to that device and may skip future years for that device. That may be a specialty device that they come at a later time. But speaking of specialty, we know that Samsung thinks foldable devices are going to be both and that people are going to go for them. And, you know, of the two, of the fold and the flip, the flip's price at 1259 to start is actually in the ballpark of a lot of other phones. So it may sell a decent amount, but it all depends on whether people are not want to, to a flip phone. And uh, the determining factor there might be that screen on the outside of the device. Which they made bigger this time. Yes, um, they did. But yeah, I, I think Mike, Mike and I did a, like a little reaction video, which we have on our website, getconnectedmedia.com, along with your thorough coverage of the whole unpacked event. Um, one of the things that I noticed right away is... Samsung is really positioning the Flip 3 as like that fashion accessory phone for a lot of people. They've got a huge range of cases and holders and handles and that kind of thing. Straps. Yeah, all kinds of neat ways of attaching it to your person uh, or holding onto it. Um, And all kinds of different colors. Some of them you have to get at Samsung's uh, website only. Um, But just a lot of options. And it just seems like that perfect combination of price, performance, and and a pretty cool form factor. And also a, an ode to kind of a throwback style. Because yeah. for those of us who remember what flip phones were like in the past, this is a way to go back to that, only obviously in a different way because now you have two different screens you can use, especially that outer screen, which obviously is bigger now, and is far more functional. So now you can, you can do selfie fo- photos with the rear camera a lot easier now because of that screen. Uh, you can audio record without flipping the phone open. You can control your music playback without flipping the phone open. That, to me, is is big because now the usability of the device changes so that you're not flipping it open all the time. And from the previous version, which I attested, it wasn't the easiest phone to flip open. This isn't like, for people who remember, you know, those old flip phones where you like literally flip it open like you took a gun out of a holster. Uh, like, it, it, that, that's not how this phone really is. So, it, it but... At the same time, I do like the design and I, cause I saw them hands on. So I got to see the devices hands on and the screen is better. The, the, just the design is better. Um, and the colors clearly speak to what you were talking about, John, with the fashion, uh, the sort of fashionable, uh, thinking there, uh, lavender, you know, green cream, like these are colors that clearly are trying to cater to a different, uh, different crowd. Do you think they've hit the price point now? Because if you're looking at a new Samsung um, Galaxy phone like the S21 or an iPhone 12, they're way above up in the $1,200 price range, which now this folding Samsung Flip 3 phone is in that same price range. you think they're going to make some inroads with that? Well, here's the kicker. So the price seems okay, right? But the kicker is is that some of, one of the key features that you would expect to get when you're paying that kind of money is camera performance. The cameras that are in the Flip are the same as the ones in the Galaxy S21 Plus. So you're, you're not getting a top-of-the-line camera. I'm not saying it's bad, but, but you're not getting, say, an S21 Ultra-type uh, camera in this, in this phone. So in a sense, you're getting a decent camera, but you're not necessarily getting a flagship one. So that's a factor. But 
Samsung, I think, is looking at it like, hey, look, you may not get the best camera, but you're getting usability that you just can't get uh, on another device. And that might be enough to convince some people to go this route, particularly when they find it useful to use the phone that way, right? Like once people start realizing, hey, you know, I can do this with a phone with closed or I can do something else with it open, maybe the novelty uh, will, will kick in for some people and they might go for it. But uh, I think time will tell if the price is right. I think if they were closer to 1000 it would be a different story. But we'll have to see if 1259 is that magic number. Yeah, I mean, I also think that it'll probably be discounted or, you know, subsidized by carriers. So the average person probably wouldn't even really factor in a couple hundred dollars difference for this. I, I think the form factor is going to win out. And the fact that Samsung has natively come up with a lot of different accessories for it. Um, and the other big thing, too, with both of these is the S Pen support. Yeah, that's why I think that might be the death knell for the Note. Yeah. Because now you're going to have options. You can either get these flip phones, whether it's this flip or the Galaxy Fold uh, 3, which we'll talk about in a moment, uh, but also the Ultra version of the S21 supports the S Pen. Yeah. So why do they need to come out with a Note now? Yeah, because... Yeah, to, to your point, actually, sorry, John, to your point, once they figure out the where the pen goes when you're not using it, what kind of, you know, holster or what kind of, you know, case or something that they can they can come out with that will solve that issue, like where the pen goes or you're not using it, the note is done I, I, at that point. Just make it a hair clip. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about the Galaxy Z Fold 3. So this is the bigger of the two folding screen phones. Uh, we've seen, you know, the previous two incarnations. Uh, I, I think they've done a, a great job engineering that that whole uh, larger kind of phone tablet folding uh, screen compared to the others out in the market. Not that there's many out there, um, but this one's still up there in the price. It's, uh, I think, coming in the lowest one for, I think, the 256 uh, gigs of, uh, of RAM is uh, 2269 so over $2,000. Yeah. It's, it's still up there. So this is, to me, still a niche product. It's still a niche product and it's still a product design that is, uh, you know, it, 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 they're still working on it. it. It's still something that is in development when you, when, when I, like when I look at it, cause I've, I've tested the previous two and this one, I got to see it a little bit. The screen is better for sure. I mean, you've got the 120 Hertz refresh rate that also applies to the flip too, by the way, but it's, it's to me, it's the software has to work in a way that is unique to this particular device. So if you're going to, so multitasking, for example, Samsung did improve that. So it's a lot easier now to put two or three apps to work uh, in a multitasking setting on the device. And you can force that. So there's a setting in the settings where you can force apps to do that if they haven't been developed to do so, if that makes sense. So uh, it's, I think that's a good move. It makes it feel different to use the device. It is a different device to begin with. We already know that Samsung is also launching an S Pen specifically for the Fold 3. That's why they're calling it Fold Edition. So they, they're clearly looking at this as a device that not, it's not going to sell as many, not as many people are going to be into it, but those who are are really going to get some mileage out of it. That is, I think, their thinking, and we'll have to wait and see because, look, if you keep coming out with new Folds every year, I don't know. At that point, you're, you're, you're kind of also forcing people to wait before they actually pull the trigger until they get the hardware and the software combination just right. 
The other thing that I, I like that both of these phones have is a water resistance rating now, which previously they felt like very fragile uh, things because of the fact that they folded. So there's that sort of uh, durability factor, but also that they weren't waterproof so or water resistant, I should say. It's an IPX8. Yeah, and they have Gorilla Glass Victus, by the way. So the screens won't crack quite as easily this time. I still don't understand how they can do that. <laughs> that's, that's the magic. Uh, okay, so quickly, Ted, uh, before we go to break here, which one would you pick if money was no I, object? Personally, I, yeah, I, I, personally, I think the Flip is the one that's more usable. It's more pocketable. It's more portable. Uh, it's certainly more affordable. And it, it just, I think it will fit better uh, with most people's uh, needs and lifestyle. Um, but there's not, you know, there's no denying that the Fold uh, 3 is, an, is, is a pretty sweet looking device too, though. Uh, I, honestly, I think that the Flip has the potential on the Android side to be as kind of coveted as the iPhone was for a lot of people. I think so. Yeah. I think so. But what would you pick? Would you pick the Flip as well? Hands down. Yeah. Not, yeah. The, not the larger Fold. No, I mean... It's too, it, too big. It's, it, they're both great, but if I was going to carry it around all day, I'd love the flip form factor. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. We're talking with Ted Kritsonos uh, over in Toronto about the new Samsung gear. When we come back, we'll talk about their new uh, Buds, their Buds 2, and the new Galaxy watches that they've come out with uh, as well. You're listening to the App Show. Back after this. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. We have got Ted Kritsonos on the line from Toronto. We're talking about the new Samsung gear that they've just announced this past week. Uh, we talked about the new folding phones, uh, which uh, I think they might do well with, especially the uh, the cheaper one, the Flip 3, that's coming in around uh, 1250 in that range, which is on par with some of the higher-end iPhones and other Samsung phones. Ted, let's talk about the other stuff that they announced. Uh, they've got the Galaxy Bud two and also the watches starting with the uh, the buds uh big surprise there not really because the buds two are the buds to effectively replace the buds plus um but they borrow features from the buds pro and the buds live so in effect what you have is this kind of hybrid type product that now has active noise cancellation ambient mode uh ideally better audio but it has the really great fit that the Buds Plus had. I mean, those are really comfortable earbuds. And these feel like they're about the same as well. Of course, you have different colors like olive and lavender, and there's a there's a gray as well uh, to go with the white, the traditional white. So, fun, you know, functional, fashionable, not really surprised what they've come out with here. I haven't heard them yet, so I'm curious to see what the audio quality is like. But they look pretty good on paper. Uh, and the price at 180 is not bad uh, for what you're getting. So uh, we'll see. I find it confusing, though. Like, I, I think their buds are great, but I'm, I'm always confused as to what buds are what. Like, I think Apple's done a good job. You've got AirPods and Air, AirPod Pros. You know what I mean? Like, it just right. seems like Samsung's, like, just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. Well, that, I mean, but that's the whole mantra of the company. So, <laughs> you know, it, is to basically throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. I mean, that's, that's exactly what it is. And so why make two types of earbuds when you can make four? Uh, and, and so that's, I, I know it, it does get confusing. Now the live, the Buds live obviously are unique because it's, you know, they don't actually go in the ear. Uh, the Buds pro have extra features, uh, that the Buds two don't. And of course, because the Buds two are out now, the Buds plus are going to be discontinued. So in effect, we now have three pairs that'll be out, uh, at the same time. 
uh, until Samsung, of course, comes out with something else. Uh, but yeah, the, it's, I, it can be a bit confusing. But what I would say to people is that if you're looking for kind of your entry level Samsung earbuds, go with the two. If you're looking for something that's going to fit a little differently, go with the live. And then, of course, if money's no object and you want everything, go with the pro. Let's move on to the watches. Uh, wearables are really an exploding category right now. You know, Apple, I think, has dominated that. There's Fitbit out there. Uh, Garmin's got their own smartwatches. Uh, and obviously, Samsung has uh, been doing this for a number of years as well. They've uh, announced uh, the new Galaxy Watch 4 and also the Galaxy Watch 4 Classic. So what's, what's new here, Ted? Well, first thing is the name. So, so, so people don't get confused. Samsung has changed the naming conventions here. So the Watch 4 Classic is now what used to be just the Watch 3 or whatever, where you had that physical rotating bezel. So if you see a physical rotating bezel, that's the Watch 4 Classic. If you don't see that physical rotating bezel, then you've got the Watch 4, right, which used to be the Active. So the Galaxy Active used to be those, you know, more ruggedized and active watches. So uh, we have different names. We have slightly different designs. And as far as features go, Samsung finally got approval for the blood oxygen sensor, sensor, the SpO2 sensor. Okay, great. And then there's a feature called body composition, which measures a a number of different metrics to kind of give you a bit of a holistic view over things over like weight loss and and stuff like that. Again, these things have to be tested uh, to see. I mean, when you're claiming 98% accuracy, that really deserves a, a very rigorous test. Yeah, what? I'm disappointed. Oh, sorry, sorry, Ted, I was just going to say, during the during the unpacked event, they did make mention of the fact that this watch sensor is comparable to actual sensors that would be used in a medical setting, and that's a pretty bold claim for something that, that is a very bold claim, very yeah. small in comparison to what this medical equipment typically is. So, and also the fact that it's it's basically measuring your your body in a really unique way by just pressing a sensor on your wrist, you know, and it's measuring all kinds of different things. Like you said, uh, skeletal muscle, fat mass, body fat, BMI, body mass index, and body water, among other things. Yes. Body. In 15 seconds, by the way. Yeah. Body, it, it, body like water? Just 15 seconds. Yeah, body water. Yes, Mike. Body water. That is not a typo. Uh, that's exactly what it is. And that's all great. I mean, it's, it's interesting that it can do that. Where I'm disappointed is that they still can't get approval over the ECG and the blood pressure monitor. I mean, if you're going to tell two features like this, and the watch is totally capable, by the way. As soon as the approval comes in, the watch will be capable of doing that. The thing I'm wondering is, is why is it taking so long for it to get approved, given that you touted these features two or three generations ago? Yeah. You know, like we were hearing about this back in like 2018. So what is the holdup? Exactly. That's where my that's where I'm disappointed. Is like you know, there's a lot of things the watch can do, but two key features are still missing in Canada, and that's disappointing. So, who is this watch for then, Ted? Certainly not people who have the watch three, in my opinion. <laughs> okay. uh, you know, if, if you have the watch three, I don't I don't see the reason really to upgrade unless this body composition feature uh, really really works. Now, as far as I'm aware, the watch three does not have the sensory technology to apply that feature. So I don't think Samsung will be, will be, you know, sort of making it backward compatible that way. If that's something that's interesting to you, the watch four is the way to go because it would be unique to that device. But if you're just looking for a regular smartwatch that you can use with an Android phone, of course we know 
that this watch will also be the first that runs on Google's Wear OS, by the way, not on Samsung's Tizen. So we do have a software difference that, uh, yeah, that, that is very significant that yeah, way too. That's very um, good. Yeah. So if, if these are things of interest to you, then by all means, upgrade. But if you're just looking for regular smartwatch and you have no idea what Wear OS is, uh, then, yeah, you don't need to go from three to four. You can wait. But some of this stuff's not working. And like you said, it hasn't been working for a few generations of this watch. Unfortunately not. Yeah, unfortunately not. And that's, you know, that's also out of Samsung's hands to some degree. But at the same time, like, I, I, I just don't know what the holdup is. Uh, like, when other companies are able to get approval for some of these things, then I, I'm not sure what, you know, and I, you're, we're not going to get straight answers from Samsung anyway. But uh, I, I, that's the one thing that's kind of disappointing is that there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. But, you know, some of that key stuff is still missing. And it's possible that they'll get the approval while the watch board is out. But we don't know. We've been talking with Ted Kritsonos over in Toronto all about the new Samsung gear that's been announced from the flip phones, uh, the folding screens to new watches and earbuds. Uh, we've got a great video John and I did about uh, our reaction to some of the announcements. It's up on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. And Ted has done a great article just going through all the, uh, the different uh, pieces of uh, gear there. So again, I encourage you to go to getconnectedmedia.com if you want to find out a little bit more about uh, some of these phones and watches and earbuds. Ted, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. When we come back from the break, it's Lego time, a Lego scanning app that can help you uh, scan your old Lego pieces and come up with new kind of fun things to make with it. Back after this. You are back with the program, Mike and John here. Before we uh, get into fun topic lego and a cool lego app we're gonna talk about the contests uh we are giving away some great stuff from kingston uh, it's uh three fury memory kits if you're uh looking to upgrade the speed on your computer your desktop computer or maybe you're building your own this is a great prize to win uh, and again these are three high performance 64 gigabyte memory kits uh, valued at 300 bucks each. We're also giving away a whole bunch of other swag, including Kingston hats, uh, hoodies, T-shirts, tons of prizes. Again, getconnectedmedia.com. And there's extra chances to win. That's right. Also, uh, the MSI giveaway for the laptop, that is now over. And we have a winner. Brett from Camlachi, Ontario. He won the Summit E13 Flip Evo laptop valued at $2,000. Not bad. Let's get to Lego, John. Yes. Uh, that was a big thing for me growing up as a kid. Me too. And same for my kids. And I have one of those giant, I can't even tell you how big this storage bin I have. It, I can't even lift it. I can't lift it anymore. It's like heavier than my fridge. <laughs> Just full of loose Lego. I wonder how much it's worth. It must be worth thousands because <laughs> I've spent that much well, on y- Lego. Yeah, that's how much you paid for it. It might not be worth that much. Although there is apparently some collectors for some very rare... Lego parts. Really? Yeah. Okay, we're going to talk about an app now called... Brickit. Brickit. This is just for the iPhone right now. It's not uh, made by the Lego people, but uh, Lego enthusiasts. Yeah. The, the premise behind this is just, it's so darn cool. This is like the perfect combination of something that's fun to play with, Lego, uh, AI, and machine learning technology. So the premise behind this is, is that Mike, you've got this giant tub of Lego. Yes. Uh, you probably long lost any of the project materials that the Lego would have came with. Right? Yes. So the neat idea with this app is that you literally take the Lego, you spread it out in a thin layer, like on your carpet floor, 
<laughs> and you use this app and it will actually take a photo of the Lego and it'll analyze all the parts that you have and it'll look up and make suggestions. They call them ideas for projects of things you can make with the pieces that you actually have. That is so cool. Yeah. But again, you got to spread it out in a thin layer. You can't have it like in a big pile. Yeah. Basically think about what's happening here. A, a camera on your phone is taking a picture and in that picture, it has to be high enough detail. So I actually tell that it's a, you know, a, a, a three piece Lego, three nubs. What would you, how would you describe I'll those? I'll call them Lego nubs. Okay. Lego nubs. Um, a three piece part or a four piece part or a six piece part, you know, those kinds of things. But here's the really cool part though. So it's going to, you know, you, you need to have like a couple hundred pieces to really make this work. And, and let me mention, this is a free app too. Um, so you have, say, let's, let's just say you have 500 pieces of Lego. Okay, that's a lot and that you would have to normally like sift through. So you take the picture with the app, it suggests the projects for you. And this is the amazing part. Because it actually knows what parts you have, it'll even tell you where to find those parts in your pile. That is amazing. Because you, as you step through the through the instructions, it'll say, and it'll highlight. It'll show you the photo, and it'll actually highlight the part that it's talking about. So you can actually find it much quicker than trying to like sift through it all, trying to find that needle in a Lego haystack. It would take forever for me to photograph and spread out all the Lego that I have. But I love this idea. Yeah. So some users have been trying it out. It's not perfect by any stretch right now. No, but it is free. It's free, and it's a, it's it's a fun idea. Some of the feedback I've gotten from people is that it's um, maybe a little buggy, but it's a cool thing. It's a neat idea. If nothing else, it, it sparks creativity for people. And even though you have a big pile of Lego out on your floor, who cares if you don't follow their projects? Your kids are probably going to get inspired to build something out of it. I just love I just love this, but I I haven't tried it. Out. I'm gonna actually when I get home this uh, this weekend, I am going to just get a yeah. pile of Lego and try it out just to see what I can come up with, and I'll let you know how it goes. I'm pretty sure I have a big tub of Lego in my garage somewhere. I gotta see if I can find it. Well, we'll uh, see what happens. Uh, we're gonna have to take another break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk about the contest a little bit, and also talk about uh, a macro pad, which you uh, are really keen on yes. right now. You're listening to the uh, the app show. Back after this. You are back with the program, Mike and John here. If you ever learn anything about John, uh, it's that he loves tinkering with electronics and circuit boards and synthesizers. Uh, uh, Every week you come to the office with some kind of crazy new doodad that does crazy things. And so you have a new one called a macro pad. Yes, this is basically think of like a you know like a numeric keypad you know the 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 right side of your keyboard if you have a full size keyboard it's kind of like that but it's completely programmable and customizable. This is from a company in New York called Adafruit. So if you're looking this up, just or actually go to gcpix.com. I actually have a link there for it. It's something you put together yourself, and essentially what it is, it's a uh, twelve button keyboard with Cherry MX switches, which are very common in like a mechanical keyboard. And you get uh, clear keycaps for it because they actually have an RGB light below each key. So you can actually program all the buttons to be different colors, do animations, all kinds of things like that. But it also has a OLED screen. So you can actually see what each button has been mapped to or whatever you're trying to do with it. And it also has an encoder, like a, like a dial, like a knob. So, and you can control all that. And it's using Raspberry Pi. Uh, 
sort of as its back end. So you, you can use CircuitPython, you can use um, uh, Arduino to program it, and it's super fun. There's a lot of things you can do with it. So what a lot of people use these kinds of custom keyboards for is like for your Zoom meeting or for controlling your, your PowerPoint or your slideshows. You can actually just map you know, left, right, up, down buttons, that kind of thing. Because this thing hooks in via a USB connection. It's a USB-C yeah. connection, yeah. And um, it also has a little speaker in it, so you can actually even get feedback when you're pressing buttons. Like, again, it's all completely programmable. It's really easy to program. There are a lot of people are getting this kit now. That This kit just sort of came out about a month ago, I think. And, and is everything in the kit? Yeah, there's a starter kit that they sell. It's like 45 US, I think, and it comes with everything you need. So uh, it's probably it was about 80 bucks, I think, delivered to Canada. So and I got it like in four days. It was crazy fast. So what do you use it for? So there's two things I use it for. One, there's this really cool app called Hotkeys. So uh, when you're, say, going into Photoshop or Lightroom or any of those kind of like creative tools, um, it's always nice to have like shortcut keys and macro keys, right? So the nice thing with this particular kit it has a little display and you actually use the the knob to adjust it to whatever app you're using and it has a whole bunch of uh, shortcut keys and it shows you which the keys so are. So pre-programmed ones. Pre-programmed. You can customize it. Yeah. Um, but I actually use it as a MIDI controller because you can plug it into a synthesizer without using a computer. I actually plug it into my iPad and I can use a synthesizer app on my iPad to control it and it's like having a MIDI keyboard but it's very small. It's self-powered by the USB. I even 3D printed a case for it. Of course you did. But yes. actually, it comes with a, a neat little sort of circuit board kind of case. So this kit, like how difficult is it for a normal person <laughs> to oh, put it, together? It, it literally took me 60 seconds to put together. You just snap in the keys. Okay, but then programming it is a whole other thing. Yeah, but it's meant for kids to be able to program. It's okay. circuit, circuit Python. It's very easy, and it's really well documented. There's a really good write-up on the Adafruit site where you'd actually buy it from on how to use it. Macropad. Uh, there's a link on our website, gcpicks.com. Uh, just want to throw to the contest one more time, giving away not one, but three high-performance 64-gigabyte memory kits valued at $300 each. These are uh, great memory kits for your desktop computer. You put 64 gigabytes in your computer, that thing's going to sing. Yeah. Uh, so if you've got uh, you know a computer now that you want to get a little uh, extra boost to, or if you're building your own, this is a prize that you want to have. Again, from our friends over at Kingston, part of their Kingston Fury memory kits. And also, we've got a lot of uh, great uh, swag to give away as well. Hoodies and hats and t-shirts. Again, getconnectedmedia.com. want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together. Of course, John uh, Beeler, my co-host and producer, and uh, Christina, and the rest of the uh, App TV and uh, Get Connected team. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.